welcome to Sabermetrics, a sincere and critical examination of the Fate series. Today, uh, my name is Sierra. My pronouns are she, her. My name's Iris. My pronouns are she, her. And this week we're talking about our loops seven and eight of uh, Fate Hollow Ataraxia. Um, yeah, uh, also, we'll briefly touch on. <laughs> so, we did record a, an episode previous to this that covered loops. Uh, I think five and six. Yes. Yes. Um, unfortunately, uh, for some reason, Sierra's computer did something really weird to her audacity audio. Uh, and it got horrendously distorted, uh, to the point where it was just, I couldn't do anything to make it listenable. (laughs) Uh, or it was intelligible, but I couldn't do anything to make it like not, horrifying yeah yeah not painful to the ears and i didn't want to subject the listeners to that uh and also because not nothing happened man you're not really missing much from (laughs) loops five through six anyway like there's there's like a couple things that were interesting um Uh, yeah i mean lancer went through his backstory his backstory is literally just the myth of kukulin that's the whole backstory yeah, if you go on Wikipedia, um, you look up Kukulin. It's that. You found it. Congratulations. Yeah, I I had a brief rant about how Fate Hollow Ataraxia is sort of where uh, Rin's flanderization into like a Scrooge McDuck-esque miser begins. <laughs> this game seems like it's going to murder you with regards to Rin. So... Because I'm playing ahead, I have gotten to the point where Rin comes back. And let me tell you, it has been nothing but a horrendous disappointment. Uh, I mean, that's been both games so far with regards to Rin for you. This is this is somehow worse. Yeah, this whole game feels like an exercise in how can we reductively uh, boil down characters into singular characteristics for uh, bad sitcom jokes. Yeah, I think the scene we were most positive on was the one between Sakura and Caster, where Sakura is like going full "You are going to be my big sister" mode on Caster. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that Caster was a really cute did, scene. Caster was wearing a jean jacket too, and that was just absolutely mind-blowingly incredible. Yeah, Caster has a great perfect. outfit. Uh, wonderful, like. Uh, wife, guy, husband, girl moment between uh, Caster and Kuzuki. Yeah, yeah, it rules. Uh, they're just the honestly, like, how ha- we'll we'll get into it in more detail once we get to the loops where um some more Caster scenes happen. But honestly, it applies to pretty much all the Caster scenes we've seen so far. But it occurs to me that. Caster has had, uh, at least to me, has had uh, the most consistently entertaining scenes. Like, even if they don't really accomplish much in terms of, like, the narrative, uh, they consistently have a higher level, a higher quality of jokes, and don't just rely on harem sex comedy horseshit. Yeah, yeah. It's because uh, she's too obsessed and, with Kuzuki, so she can't make the joke about fucking. Or if the joke is yeah, about fucking, it has to be fucking yeah, it, Kuzuki, who exactly. is the most unfuckable man in history. Yeah, like, 
the caster is like completely off limits to Shiro. Um, it, it, even from like a perspective of her being like Shiro's friend, because she's not even that really. Like yeah. they are acquaintances and they they will get along, but they're not friends. <laughs> Uh, so they have a completely different dynamic than almost the entire rest of the cast uh, that lets them interact in a way that prevents Nasu from doing his typical bullshit. Uh, it also feels like uh, um, the caster scenes often feel like the closest the game gets to the actual plot because I'm yeah. pretty sure at this point that caster knows what's up. Caster knows she should be dead and is doing everything she can to not rock that boat. Yeah, I, I can totally see that if Caster knew exactly what was going on and was just like, I'm going to ride this out. <laughs> I, well, I mean, like, she is actively pushing Shiro away. She has yeah. told her before she doesn't want him to, like, notice stuff. Like, she is like, no, 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 no. We're staying here in this pocket bubble universe or whatever the fuck is happening. Yeah, where I'm a happily married woman. I don't have to worry about a fucking grail war. <laughs> Because, oh, like, she has, like, in this weird looping bubble universe or whatever it is, like, she has her wish now. Like, she yeah. never really wanted the grail for anything. She just wanted to persist in, in the way that she was with Kuzuki. Yeah. And now she's got that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she's no good. reason to mess anything up. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, no, Caster is consistently great. Um which is at least something, but also makes me depressed for the characters I like more. Generally. It doesn't help that Caster is seen once every three or four loops. So, like, that's yeah, that's the other advantage she has. Um, yeah, that's true. Like the because like Ryder and Sakura and Saber and at some point Rin. Um, they get like a ton of scenes written for them. And eventually you just run out of like actually decent stuff to write for them. Gee, it's almost like if you have a plot to build the story around that uh, uh, generate situations and you follow those situations and allow consequences to follow one after another, uh, you end up having like a more generative story instead of just having to decide arbitrary sitcom situations that have no connection to one another. Yeah. Speaking of arbitrary sitcom situations, let's start on day one of Loop 7. Fuck me. I was hoping you forgot we were recording a podcast. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> so here's, here's man, there are so many times when Fate Holler Ataraxia does this to me, where it presents a scenario where I'm like, oh, that's a clever situation. That's kind of funny. Let's see where this goes. And then, and then I you hate regret how your choices. Ends. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So this is one of those scenes. Um, Fate Hollow Ataraxia is an exercise in finding out how I can regret my words and deeds. Um, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I'm I'm thinking of the scene that comes after this. This scene is mostly okay. So this, uh, the living room scene on day one of Loop 7 uh, has... Um, Shiro opening the fridge to find that Taiga has packed it full of a bunch of stuff uh, and decides to make a few things and ask Saber and Ryder what they like but neither of them are any help because they both just tell Shiro they'll take whatever he eats <laughs> he yeah, makes I, I mean I actually um, didn't super hate a lot of this scene yeah this was mostly fine uh, 
and Saber's and Cheryl's like, okay, well, are there anything you de- are, is there anything you definitely won't eat? And Ryder says, I won't eat snake or horse for obvious reasons. You get it? Because uh, she's Medusa and she rides a horse. Do you get yeah. it? Do you get it? Yeah. It's not particularly clever, but, you know, I'll give it to him. Um, and uh, Saber claims she doesn't have anything uh, that she'd avoid. Uh, but then when Ryder, like, finds some octopus stuffed in the back of the fridge and is like, hey, what about this thing? What if, what if you make something with this? This Saber suddenly gets extremely nervous. Uh, and she was like, why are you getting so nervous about this? You've eaten takoyaki. And Saber is like, that's what that was? Uh, and she describes it as the netherworld's evil god that wouldn't die no matter how much I cut it. Uh, a reference that will make more sense once we get to Fate Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then they just argue about each other's taste in food until Sakura comes along to tell them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, this scene is, like, fine. This is, like, the least offensive uh, uh, version of this scene possible. It doesn't do anything. Uh, I actually, I like the uh, parallels you get between uh, Saber and Ryder here as, like, people fundamentally disconnected from their own desires. Um, Yeah. Like, both of them are like, yeah, I'll... I'll eat whatever. And Shiro has to like push and push and push to even get as far as, okay, what, what won't you eat? And like that paired with Saber's realization, uh, uh, demonstrating like, Oh no, like it is not that they do not have these desires. It is that they are unconscious and unaware of them. Yeah. Like Shiro has to really figure out the right way to word what he wants to get out of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the next scene is the, is the one that took a turn on me. Uh, so this one takes place outside the storage room. Uh, Shiro notices Ryder sneaking around the yard. Uh, her sights set on the storage room and a racing bike that Shiro calls number one. I hate this scene so goddamn much. Which is a shame because it starts out pretty good. <laughs> Uh, he heads into the yard and says that if she's planning on going shopping, the bike he calls number two, which has a basket installed in the front, would be more appropriate. She tells him there's a reason she's staring at number one, and it's a secret he cannot share with anyone else. There's nothing else in the world she loves more than a fast vehicle. At this point, I'm like, okay, all right, this is pretty good. I like where this is going. Uh, Shiro denies her request, worried about the consequences of letting a powerful servant zoom around town on a racing bike. Uh, She then threatens to resort to finding other vehicles, such as Taiga's scooter or the Fujimura Group's large bike. Unfazed by this threat, he asks if she has a bike license yet, and she admits she does not. um, Which I think think leads to him... Is it a motorcycle or is it a a bicycle? I I think it's it's just a bicycle. Okay. Uh, well, actually, the fir- the Fujimura's group group's bike, I believe, is implied to be a motorcycle because, like, they, uh, like they're they're like a mafia group or whatever. So, <laughs> make more sense for that to be a motorcycle. But the other two are bicycles. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'm not sure. It might be a motorbike license, but I'm like, 
I uh, think it just said bike license in the translation. It, it did say bicycle license in the translation. I just don't know if Japan has licenses specifically for riding like a, a human powered motorcycle or a human powered bicycle. Me uh, either. And uh, she specifically was talking about how it doesn't make sense for a uh, when she was talking about bike number two. It doesn't make sense for it to be a thing that you put an equal amount of energy in to get an equal amount of effort out of or whatever. So I wasn't sure if it was like a different, if it was like a motorized bike or if it was a motorcycle or what. Yeah. I don't know. Um, which when he, when she admits she doesn't have a license, I think that that leads, I believe to a, a kind of funny little animation where, uh, he basically imagines rider driving, like riding around town, getting chased by the police. She um, would absolutely yes. Uh, unfortunately, here is where it takes a turn. Um, as Shiro thinks to himself that he should just make a number four that Ryder can use, Ryder suddenly tries to seduce him into letting her ride number one. Soon, however, they sense Sakura behind them, and Ryder immediately goes back to her typical stoic self and rides away from the situation on number two. Uh, just really takes a nosedive after a very promising start. Uh, when we say so- uh, uh, Ryder tries to seduce him, I-, I think we do need to be clear. This is not like a one or two offline. This is like a solid 45-50% of the scene. By word yeah, count. it's it is it's her a saying lot. shit like you could do anything with me. Like it is just just weird and gross and like nothing. It's nothing super out of character for Ryder, and also I just am opposed to the idea that Shiro and Ryder would ever have sex. <laughs> Ryder Ryder is Sakura's mom. Yeah. Uh, she should be completely off limits to Shiro. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I super, I super don't like that Ryder does this because it just feels weird for both of them. It's just bad vibes. It's all bad yeah. vibes. Only vibes that are bad. Yeah. Uh, I, man, just. A scene that was starting out well and just was kind of completely ruined mm-hmm. by that second half. Uh, let me think here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the next scene is Shiro going uh, walking a- across the bridge at night with Saber. Um, as they cross the bridge, uh, they remember how they crossed the same bridge many times with Rin back in the Grail War. Now that the war has passed and their relationship is uh, much more solid, Saber feels comfortable complaining to him about how they chose to disguise, disguise her on their first trip to the church. She was apparently not a fan of the yellow raincoat. Uh, however, their conversation is interrupted uh, as uh, Archer, uh, that is Emia Archer, attacks uh, now that Saber is with him this time, she's able to deflect the arrows. Uh, however, Saber cannot win if she's forced to protect Shiro. Shiro prepares to fire back, but just as but just as it seems like he's about to use projection magic, his mind betrays him, and he suddenly can't remember quote the fundamental part of the skills possessed by the man named Emiya Shiro end quote. Archer's final shot pierces his head, and he slowly dies as he tries to remember what he was supposed to do to save himself. Um, I think this is something that happened 
Like, I, I think uh, Shiro's first death at Archer's Hand happened during loops five through six on the podcast got, that got lost. I think so. Um, yeah, but basically, like, the the thing that happens, in case uh, it was part of that, uh, was Shiro at one point goes to this bridge, same bridge alone, uh, and Archer just immediately, like, murks him uh, with a headshot. And so this time, he, he comes out with Saber. Same thing happens, because he doesn't remember his projection magic. Yeah, I mean, so this is, like, the first, like, really explicit um, reference to the fact that he is forgetting core really central things to like the person that is Shiro Emiya. Um, like you don't, you don't forget how to do magic. It's literally in your nerves. And so, uh, the inability to do magic here has me being like, is this actually Shiro? What's up? Uh, Is this a person who just looks like Shiro in this bubble universe? What is going on here? I would like to know more. Uh, it's a shame the game won't, like, do anything with that or give me any information. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Shiro fucking eats it here. Just fucking fully beefs it. Yeah, and uh, as a reward, uh, we get the third Heaven's Feel Back Night section, Dialogue Mobius Link. Um which all, all the Bazette segments have been uh, given the designation of Heaven's Feel Back Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, starting with Mobius Link, uh, the narrator isn't sure how many times they've revived at this point. The voices of the dead yell at them and insult them, angry at how unfair it is that the narrator gets to live again and they cannot. The place they go upon death feels like a prison. It's a suffering for an eternity without pause. It's vaguely different from where the narrator came from. Quote, There wasn't only pain. That place had eternity and emptiness. Both were beyond reach and had no meaning, even if they weren't. Uh, that's why it was painful, because even if I gained them by some miracle, I could never understand what, uh, what wasn't meant for human hands to hold. End quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bazette wakes up, and Avenger tells her she got trounced by true assassin. His Zabaniya blew her head off, uh, and uh, she recalls that she ran into a lone master. Since she didn't see a servant nearby, she charged in. Uh, The enemy master controlled a legion of French dolls uh, equipped with precise killing mechanisms. However, she realized too late that one of the dolls was actually assassin in disguise. Avenger also informs her that he was killed too, and they're now both back to the first day of the loop. Bazette laments that they... Yeah, Bazette laments that they haven't even made it past four days yet. Uh, she grasps the she grasps the earring in her pocket unconsciously. She isn't sure why she brought it, but she guessed, guesses that it must be an amulet. Avenger tells her it wasn't her fault she lost. Assassin was, quote, just too messed up, end quote, and she has him as a handicap. You know, you're not wrong, Avengers. Assassin is pretty fucking messed up. Well, it's a different assassin. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's uh... Uh, uh, We don't know the name of which assassin it is, but uh, one of the things that is revealed here is that the way that assassin as a class functions is they are a singular group with a single name. Um, Yeah, true assassin can be multiple assassins with the Zabaniya noble phantasm. Yes. Uh, uh, Like, all assassins share the same name, but are different people with different 
like capabilities and stuff. Yeah. Because um, it's not just assassin; they are ashashin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's like a specific cultural thing, and like it, it is silly. To, it is a fun idea. It is silly to group jack the like some of the future assassins we know are coming up into that idea yeah it is very clear that this idea gets abandoned oh yeah almost immediately like it goes from well yeah that's a really fun and cool idea of like a specific group and then it's like but if i do that where would i put jack the ripper and it's where would i make her an anime girl and it's like, you don't have to do that now, Sue. It's okay. You can stick with your cool idea. And well, Wait, actually, I, I apologize. Not almost immediately. Like, it still follows that same idea in Fate Zero. Yes. Um, But I think, does, is Fate Extra the first one that abandons it? I'm curious now. Okay, yeah. It's Fate, it's Fate Extra. Uh, it's Fate Extra that abandons that idea. Who's Assassin so, yeah, Extra? It, uh, Lee Shu Wen. Don't know them. Yeah, I I don't know. I can't remember what their historical deal is either. A Chinese martial artist from Yanshan County, Hebei, uh, from 1864 to 1934. Oh, okay. Sure. So, yeah, just just some famous martial artist. Alrighty, that works. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I do like that, that. That said, like assassins uh i do like that assassin is just like just a really skilled dude <laughs> yeah uh-huh assassin's just a guy who's good at killing you in tricksy ways and like that kind of yeah. whips ass yeah so so even though like they don't keep the ashashin sort of thing they do kind of keep the spirit of of that um anyway that's for a later date uh much later <laughs> um anyway uh, Avenger tells her that she should feel proud that she forced Assassin to use his noble phantasm in the first fight with him. She's about to argue that it doesn't uh, uh, that it doesn't do her any good if she ends up dying anyway, but uh, she interrupts her own train of thought when she realizes that uh, that because she retains knowledge when she resurrects, even just learning a servant's physical traits allows her to make the appropriate preparations for the next attempt. However, another thought soon occurs to her. If she tried hard enough, she should have been able to defeat Assassin. Instead, she's been taking her time and prolonging the final battle. Avenger interrupts her self-reflection and suggests they stop wasting time here and explore the places they haven't checked yet. Uh, Remember the fact that she just is sort of subtly realizing that she's taking her time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I really like this scene. It is great to see, like... Uh, it, it is great to see Bazette and Angra have like, like Angra clocks this almost immediately that she is simply chilling and taking her time and that like they are here because she doesn't want to be out of this yet. Yeah. Uh, we switch to Avengers perspective and he has some insight to give about Bazette. quote. Now on the outside, she looks like my personal favorite, the dignified, mature woman. What's on the inside, though, is a lowly coward with no self-esteem. To it, hide that, she... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it do be like that. Listen, Bazette, <laughs> it do be like that. Uh-huh. 
To hide that, she's put her body in psyche through some rigorous training. Mm-hmm. My guess, nah, rather what I'd like to be true is that she's the kind of woman that likes bullying herself, end quote. Yeah, sounds about right. I love Bazette. Bazette rules. <laughs> I wish this yeah. game was just Bazette. Bazette uh-huh. time rules. I just want to see this game be about Bazette. Just make a different game that's about her. Her plot yeah. seems super cool. I agree. Uh, he likes it when he gets to see the real Bazette underneath all the armor she's constructed, but he laments that her armor is often too damn strong. He gives an example of her suggesting they get something to eat out of consideration for Avenger, which he appreciated. Except then she took him to the cheapest, worst, and most common place to eat in Shinto, even though there were far better options nearby. She seemed to have just picked it because it was the closest. Even Mm -hmm. weirder, she ate her food in less than a minute, and when Avenger asked if it even tasted good, she only judged it by how much there was and how quickly it took to prepare. She viewed food. She viewed the food purely as a way to deliver nutrition. Bazette seems like the anti Shiro. Yeah. Kinda, Can you yeah. imagine Shiro making a nice meal and then Bazette just like eating it in a couple minutes and going like, "That was nutritious." Shiro would lose his fucking mind. Shiro would fucking die. God, I want that. See, this is what we're losing. By the game refuses to let us have fun scenes like that. Give us new stuff, game. Let me see Shiro lose his mind about Bazette not eating well. Yeah. Uh, another time, she asked him to disable the lock on Rin's house. He told her it'd take him some time because it'd be a tough lock for him to crack. She waited only forty seconds before just smashing the door in. <laughs> Oh, what a dumbass bitch. <laughs> she fucking rules. This bitch is like, uh, you know, this is taking too long. Okay, I guess I'll punch the door open. It turns out my fists are the best lockpick. And she's right. She's right and she should say it. She's she. She's like, okay, she, she is the, the narrative embodiment of Dan Reichert playing Hitman. That's what oh Bazette is. Oh my god, you're not wrong. Just fucking... T- taking too long, time to bust the door down. Uh, Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> deal with the consequences later. It, the way she deals with the consequences too is usually by punching, so it works out good. Yeah. I love uh, this so fucking much. Yeah, turns out one of the traps in the house soaked Avenger with a milky liquid that prevented him from dematerializing. He didn't even get to clean himself in Rin's tub because a Vizette ordered him not to. So instead, they walked all the way to the park so he could clean himself off at the fountain. Vizette spends a good chunk of time laughing at his predicament. Oh, it is very funny how much he just roasts his ass for being covered in milk. Yeah, just imagine this fucking edgelord covered in milk. Uh, oh, it's great. Avenger realizes that Vizette has been taking a roundabout path for her mission. She's clearly looking for something else and not actually trying to win the war. But what makes it truly roundabout is that she doesn't seem to realize what she's doing. Quote, she's anxious because she can't totally forget that. Makes me want to have a certain idiot who forgot about his own power follow her example. End quote. Yeah, wow. yeah uh, Angra is aware of this doubled reality in a really weird way. Like, he seems yeah. abreast of everything. Like, like, he knows exactly what's going on with Shiro. Yes, and, like, it not just knows exactly what's going on, but is, like, up to date 
Yeah. Like it, it is not he is look he is aware of it in retrospect. It feels like he is aware of it happening in concurrence. And that's weird. That's weird and yeah. interesting. Uh-huh. Like if it was uh, something that was just like, oh, he's aware of it as something that had happened to him on a previous uh, uh iteration or whatever, okay, that's that makes sense. But for it to yeah, be but something this he's aware just of, happened. Yeah. This just happened. it the way he talks about it makes it feel like it is something that just happened for him, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, May, Bizet, I love when Bazette shows up. Interesting things happen. Yeah, yeah, we get plot. Uh-huh. Uh, Bazette pauses her search to admit that she's been feeling down about how they have yet to clear a, get a single clear victory against a servant. She bluntly asks him if he thinks they can win. He thinks to himself that if she uses him a little for fighting, and if he tells her what his real noble phantasm is, there's no servant they can't handle. But instead, he just says, quote, one of these days we'll stop losing, end quote. Uh, she asked for proof. He doesn't have any, but he mentions that they both have trump cards they haven't used yet. She asks if he has, a no- has multiple noble phantasms, and he reveals that he only has one. Resurrection is not his noble phantasm. It's an ability that got added on later when he became Angra Mainyu. His noble phantasm is an imitation of Avesta. It's a support type ability that automatically records events, being able to put into words emotions that are indescribable and that and ones that you wouldn't even be aware of. Uh, keep up. He, he basically has a, a access to an Akashic record of some sort. Yeah. Um, also, keep a pin in the fact that he mentions that it's an ability that got added on later because mm-hmm. we will be covering that extensively in, in the next couple back nights that we'll eventually get to. Oh, there's more back nights coming up soon? Oh, hell yes. yes. Thank uh, God. Oh, I'm so glad we're getting more Bazette. Uh, she asks, she again asks him for his true name, but he explains he doesn't have one. It was taken from him when he was treated as a hero. The record of his name doesn't exist in the world anymore. He feels more attached to the name Angra Mainyu anyway. In exchange for talking about himself more, he demands that Bazette tell him her backstory. Bazette is the successor to a house that, despite having an elite lineage, did not have any fortune or fame because they set themselves up in the middle of nowhere. Their family was known for a ritual called God's Holder that allowed them to pass down magical knowledge through a means similar to a pathogen instead of through a magic circuit. When she applied to join the Magic Association, despite her parents' objections, the Magi appeared to welcome a new house with enthusiasm. But Magi don't like competition. There hasn't been a seat for a new house to sit in for centuries. The harder Bazette worked, and the more results she produced, the more the Association regarded her as a nuisance. Eventually, they assigned her to the Sealing Designation Enforcers, in an attempt to get rid of her. Sealing refers to the restraining, capture, and lifetime confinement of uniquely gifted or taboo-breaking magi in the name of protection. She dutifully, she dutif- basically, they're hyper-magic cops. Uh, I, okay, uh, so I actually love this. Um, like, th- this is a structure, because A, it is re-highlighting the ways that uh, uh, the magi are, like, an explicitly political organization, um, yeah, and it it is a system that is designed only for its self preservation. It has no interest in like the betterment of anything. It is just for the self preservation of the people involved, uh, and yeah. for their power. And like, it, it immediately highlights the ways being trapped inside that can be hyper damaging to a person, and how there is no like 
appeasing it. There is no, like, satisfying it if you are not useful for that specific end. And anything that is a threat is something that is just or consumed and destroyed as quickly as possible. And, like, that is interesting. That plays with a lot of the ideas that came in Fate Stay Night. It, it is interesting yeah. to see what that has done to Bazette, which has made her into... Uh, a person who has felt the need to be an automaton for uh, uh, gee I wonder who that sounds like uh, to be an <laughs> automaton in order to acquire approval because she has no other idea of how to live her life or how to exist um, because she's already turned her back on her family because she went to the mages association in the first place and now she's at the mages association and they want to use her until she dies because they don't want her to be alive anymore because now she's a threat but they might as well at least get some use out of her yeah like, yeah and so, some use out of her in maintaining like whatever the status quo is because like yes. um we we've already heard about sealing um at the end of heaven's feel and in fate stay night um mm -hmm. both like the person that they got shiro's body from uh like had a seal placed on her so she had to like flee uh and rin was also in danger of being sealed due to what she did during heaven's feel and like she yeah. only managed to get out of that uh by having zeltric stand up for her yeah uh so yeah, uh, she she dutifully flew around the world solving problems for the association, despite not getting any proper rewards for it. Avenger's first criticism of the story is that there was no romance in it at all. Uh, <laughs> he literally at one point basically goes, hey, haven't you, like, ever fucked, yeah. though? And she's yeah, like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, Vazette claims she does not feel the need for a boyfriend and is used to solitude. He asks her bluntly if she's a virgin. She claims she has had some work-related experience, but she doesn't feel that his question is relevant at all. God, what a Vazette way to answer that question. Uh, work-related experience. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> The fuck honey, are you doing, Vazette? <laughs> honey, are you good? I know the answer's no, but, like, honey... <laughs> Were you up to, like, some stoic James Bond shit? Is that what was happening? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. D uh, no matter what it was, it's not great, honey. You can... Yeah, no. mm -hmm. uh, Avenger disagrees, saying that love is one of the most powerful basic emotions and that human beings can become stronger because of love. Quote, that building block is missing in you for one reason or another. Since I'm fighting with you, I'm a little worried. End quote. She says she'll take his advice into consideration. She then asks how old she is, uh, and she reveals she's 23. Avenger is shocked and blurts out that he thought she was almost 30 and asks when she started her career. <laughs> she's about to beat his ass when he says that. Yeah. Uh, she says she was 15 and she had been training all her childhood. That sounds like a certain child of childhood hero of hers. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't, I don't know what you, I can't think of it. Uh, oh, right. We've lost that episode. That, yes, that That's is basically true. the same age that Kukulin, uh is brought into biting. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming the hound of Cullen. Um, uh, after thoroughly roasting Bazette, 
Uh, he thinks to himself that the two of them aren't half bad in terms of balance. Quote, a brat that stopped being a kid, an idiot that threw away being a child from the start, end quote. Uh, Avenger is thrown off when Bizet ends up thanking him for calling her a fool. She's never had anyone in her life that would say those kinds of things to her face. Quote, to have my weakness pointed out by someone means that I've been acknowledged. It is slightly irritating, but I feel more at ease somehow. You you good, Bizet? I know the answer is no, but like, honey. Thank you for paying it enough attention to me to criticize me. Yeah, she's she's not doing great, I don't yeah. think. Extremely normal. Uh, she's as regular they... and fine, and everything is good, and she has no me- mental health issues. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, as they restart their patrol, Avenger thinks about the loop. Quote, the, mu- the night patrol is fun, in a way. I understand a little now why someone might continue this for days and days. Just, an- just understanding it doesn't mean that I share the sentiment, though. The night will continue forever, as long as she wis- wishes it to. The woman that I am contracted to is unconsciously trying to make this battle go on longer. A continuous repetition without end. Nevertheless, the radiance will one day disappear. Even if the form remains, the color is getting duller. No matter how bright, something that has already been seen before does not have the radiance of birth. It's just like a solar eclipse, blackened, never to shine again. Yeah, I, I do think the implication here that uh, that Angermino is recognizing that already this uh, the looping is losing its luster for Bazette. Like he, he is fully recognizing, like, oh, this isn't like she is trapped in it, this time loop for forever. It's she is gonna be tired of this sooner rather than later. We're hitting the end for her soon. Yeah. Uh, now we're back to the normal game. <laughs> And that's our podcast. Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs> no, still got... <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so, day one of loop eight. Uh, oh, this is just the storage room where, like, Shiro enters and is like, I don't know why I just came in here. And then it just I ends. can't remember. And then yeah. it ends. And it's like... Right. Then why put this on the fucking... Okay. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, next is the big bridge. Um, this one's kind of funny. Uh, though it does involve Lancer hitting on high school girls again. <laughs> y- yeah. Th- this one I minded less. Because I could at least actually see why he would be seen as charming. Yeah. Like, I, I could see why it worked. I didn't yeah. like it, but it is a scene basically where Lancer is working as a florist. Um, I to, love that Lancer is just working a bunch of odd jobs. He's working a bunch of odd jobs to make money for food because he just needs to pay for food. And he's like, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I have to buy food, man. That's why I work jobs. It's like, fuck, he's just like me. Um, <laughs> but... uh. uh it is uh, Shiro and was it Makadera or it's Mitsuzuri. Mitsuzuri, so like, that's who it is. One of the third years in the archery club, uh, just some nameless NPC <laughs> was hospitalized due to in- intestine inflammation, and Mitsuzuri is um, like getting Shiro's help uh, 
to like pick out a bouquet um like as a get well gift yeah uh so they get there shiro is shocked to see lancer here and mitsuzuri asks shiro if he knows this guy Mm -hmm. and shiro says uh quote someone i'd rather not know as well as i do actually (laughs) which is both an incredibly funny way to describe the relationship and also like yeah that sounds about right yeah um Uh, Lancer asks Mitsuzuri what she needs, and she tells him her budget, and then it's for a hospital visit. Uh, Through a series of misunderstanding, Lancer assumes that the archery club is a combat group, and she's bringing a bouquet to a fellow warrior who will soon pass away. (laughs) And Uh, she's like, no, he's he's fine. Like, he's gonna get better. It's a get well bouquet. And he's like, oh, I mean, I'd still be cool with getting flowers from a pretty girl. Yeah. Um, like, Shiro like, has to. I love that when Shiro, that even as Shiro corrects him about the bouquet, that like the burial bouquet that he picks out, uh, Shiro admits to himself that it was a pretty good bouquet that Lancer put together. Yeah. Um. So one thing that is like fun about this scene is he it, er, Lancer is flirty, but like. In the way a friendly uh, uh, shopkeeper is flirty, like yeah. it feels like, like it is like oh it, it is flirting because it is fun and like because there is a chemistry in the flirting. It is not flirting with like an intentionality, and that makes this a lot more tolerable. Like it is just like yeah, he just thinks the act of flirting is fun, and yeah. it, it it is just fun to talk with people and fun to be around people, and it's like okay. That tells me a lot about Lancer. That helps me understand, like, who he is and what he is like and what is important to him. And that flirting is just something in, like, talking to people and, like, conveying attraction is a thing that is just fun for him. Yeah. Um, And they're actually hitting it off pretty well. And after Mm -hmm. making, like, Lancer kind of shows off a bit bit once he learns that um, Mitsuzuri uh, used to practice with the Naginata. So he, he just straight up pulls out gay bulk <laughs> and, cut, and, and cut some flowers with it. <laughs> the funniest part to me is Shiro the whole time is like when your two groups of friends meet that you really wish didn't and you're just like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Please stop. Oh, my fucking God. Or, or like when your friend meets your sibling and you're trying so hard to not have them enjoy being around each other and they're flirting and you're just like, I need you to not. I need you to not because I'm fucking dying here. Yeah, uh-huh. Shira's just standing there awkwardly the whole time, just mm-hmm. just taking it all in. Uh, after making the bouquet, Lancer cuts one more flower to give to Mitsuzuri herself, an amber flower for someone who remembers her comrades in arms. Uh, unfortunately, as with a lot of scenes that we like, it's going to end in an abrupt, not-so-great fashion. Uh, Lancer asks for... Mitsuzuri's name, and just as she's about to respond, Ryder suddenly appears, calling out to her with her first with her first name, Ayako. Uh, I'm Ryder, really a racist for my brain, but you're right. This does happen. Yeah, Talk this is me. how this ends. Uh, Ryder works in the same shopping area and says that the scene of flowers and Ayako caught her, uh, caught her attention. Uh, Mitsuzuri runs away, leaving the flowers behind because, as you'll remember, uh, in the in this timeline. Uh, 
uh, uh, Mitsuzuri is the one that got her blood sucked by Ryder during the events of the initial Grail War. And Ryder still has a weird obsession with her. Love that weird predatory gay shit. In case you were wondering, uh, I do not love that weird predatory gay shit. I actually hate it a lot. It's It's bad. Not great. Yeah. Uh, Day two. Uh, inside Sakura's room. Um, this oh, this was fine, but kind of nothing. Yeah, the funniest the funniest thing about this scene is uh, basically um, Shiro uh, like Sakura like tried making some new pastries for for Saber to try, uh, and at one point they get to talking about like foods of other countries and. Uh, Nasu just uses Saber as a mouthpiece to, like, diss British food again. Uh, and right, also, you should say it. And also mentions American food and, and says, uh, Saber says, the new world's cake, quantity before quality, and who cares what others think? Queen. <laughs> Nasu, like, the English don't know how to fucking cook. He's right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, next scene takes place in Saber's room. Uh, I remember what this one is. It, it was oh, again, like, yeah. a nothing scene. Yeah, this is, this is like Shiro teasing Saber for, like, playing with her stuffed lion. Yeah. Toy. Um, uh, the, the stuffed lion that she got from Shiro in, I think it was the ending of the fate route. Yeah. And then Saber gets upset and then blasts him with her, with her wind powers. Uh, and then it just abruptly cuts and it's like, yeah. haha, funny. Yeah. Like I said, generic harem comedy stuff. This is straight up like love Hina protagonist gets kicked in the face and sent into orbit. Love Hina is funnier than this. How dare you say that to Love Hina? <laughs> uh, uh, listen, I'm not saying Love Hina is funny. I'm saying it's funnier than this. It doesn't deserve that disrespect. I guess it does have a it does have a pretty good opening theme too. It does. Um, let's see here. On to day three. Uh oh. Yeah, so uh, this takes place in the rear woods um, of the Ryudo Temple. Uh, Caster is basically just like uh, looking around the woods because uh, f- she felt like there was a disturbance in the ley line, but uh, that doesn't seem to be Caster's doing. Uh, but she can't seem to figure out what the cause is. Um, but uh, Shiro Shiro doesn't sense anything when when he tries to like help her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's really all there is. It's like, it's a, it's it, an okay, like interaction between Shiro and Caster, but. Uh, well, so again, it, it feels interesting to me if only because like, again, we have this inter- example of other people recognizing something is wrong and Shiro not being able to tell anything. Um, yeah, and like it's huh. it's potentially interesting. I, I am interested at least. Yeah. Also, like unlike in some other scenes we've had with with uh, 
Rider, and also definitely different from Fate Stay Night. In this scene, she she explicitly says to Shiro that uh, whatever whatever is going on in the town uh, shouldn't pose any threat to him or Sakura, and even if something were to happen, she'd protect both of them. Um, which is a big deal for Ryder, because previously it was just like, Sakura and no one else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here she explicitly says she'd also like try to protect Shiro as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm he... choosing to believe that is like in a, a familial way and not in a horny way, but I'm worried it's probably going to be the horny way. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, there'll, there'll be a scene we'll talk about next episode. Do we have... Oh, God, I'm gonna die. Uh, there's there's gonna be quite a few scenes we talk about next episode that are very frustrating to deal, to deal with. Yay! Uh, anyway, uh, next up is Sakura's room at night. Um... Let's see here. Uh, sh- yeah, Shira enters his room to find that the top half of his school uniform is missing from his clothes hanger. Um, and it turns out that uh, she Sakura has been repairing it, repairing the button that fell off. She wants to know who uh, he's going to give her his button to, and it... Yeah. it We've done this before. We've done this already. You know, in this game called Fate Stay Night, where there is like this really sincere and like carefully developed relationship between the two that like proceeds apace and like has a really interesting dynamic and like a slow revelation of love and care for each other. And like we've done this already. Why are we doing yeah. this? Nothing this time. Yeah, I continue to to really hate how Fate Hollow Ataraxia just like it hollows totally out the relationships that actually work. That relationship, yeah. It, um, it is just a nothing scene. Uh, day four. Uh, the outskirts. Um, this is mostly just a joke scene. Uh, this whole this whole outskirts portion of day four is just really fucking bizarre. Yeah, this. So it's a it. <laughs> you you have notes. You explain, and I will try and yeah, marshal my so, thoughts. We start out with a with a joke scene where a character who looks like Taiga, but isn't identified as such. Uh, she uh, is. Uh, uh, did you ever do the dojos from uh, or, or the Tiger dojos from Fate Stay Night? Uh, not really. I most I mostly avoided the dead ends. So she is uh, uh, the master who is Taiga's like who the character that Taiga is in those Tiger dojos is. Okay. All right. She's like a Taiga alter ego. Yes. From the right. uh, Tiger Dojos who told you, hey, here's how you fucked up. Don't do that. Okay. Uh, the Basically, she she joins Sa- Sh- Saber and Shiro to assault Ilya's castle. Because as we remember, vi- really early at like one of the first loops, Ilya said like, oh yeah, I'm going to create an obstacle course for you. Good luck. Um. The real highlight here is Ilya's letter, which I will quote verbatim. Good evening. How is everyone doing? Are you getting along with Shiro while I'm not around? Oh, you are? Okay, great. I'll kill you. Anyways, the new castle is now complete. Make sure you come by for a visit. 
<laughs> Go ahead and break it if you can. Uh, it's like I'm... a weird minigame section is coming here. Yeah. So next next you have to play like a sequence of three minigames. And beating them then unlocks the ability to like access scenes that take place like on Ilya's castle grounds. Uh, and it's super bizarre. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of cute, but also it's not really why I was playing this game. Honestly, I didn't mind it. It's like a, a series of three minigames. The first one is like you have to do the... It, they're like f- uh, flash games you would find on like Congregate or Addicting yeah. Games ten years ago. Yeah. Um, you uh, have Congregate to, is a good pull, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Um... They are, or the first one is like a game where you have to hop a path uh, and try and be the first one there. The second one is a uh, obstacle course race. And the third one is a weird like uh, fight. All the servants are teaming up to like defeat Berserkar, which is Berserker as a car. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Which Ilya is just piloting like a tank almost. And like the way the combat works is almost like it was a, a. East one, which is like kind of neat. Yeah, I, I didn't mind this. I thought it was like a cute distraction, and it meant the game wasn't making me annoyed. That I th- that is true. Yes, it, it, um, it was something happening that was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after that, you're you're able to view some scenes at Ilya's castle. Uh, the first one I picked here is the salon. Yeah. Uh, Ilya arrives in the salon soon after Shiro and asks what he's doing here. She doesn't recall him promising to come play today. He didn't, but there's something he wanted to talk to her about. However, as he's about to ask, the words suddenly vanish from his mind. He feels like he needed to discuss something important, but it just won't come to him now. Quote, uh, Don't worry, it'll come to you at some point, she says. Things you've forgotten always pop back into your head suddenly one day. I fucking hate this, dude. I fucking yeah. hate this so much. It is the most artificial way to, like, pad out the story. Uh, like, it is not like um, in Fate Stay Night, where him not asking things is an active artifice on his part, where he is actively being self-deceptive and refusing to acknowledge important things. It is, he is magically, it, or at least it reads as he is magically forgetting things. Um, yeah, it's be, seeming like in Because the plot can't way. happen yet. Yeah. And, like, that is just fucking infuriating when I'm already at the point where I'm like, I wish anybody would literally talk to anybody about anything that matters. <laughs> uh, because, I don't know if you've noticed, outside of the Bizet scenes, we literally haven't had a single scene where anyone talks about anything that matters. In yeah. eight loops. Uh, eight goddamn loops of fucking <laughs> nothing. Uh, since he can't remember right now, Ilya invites him to sit down for some tea instead, an offer he accepts. He ends up staying late enough that Ilya suggests he just stay the night at her ca- castle instead of traveling through the forest when it's most dangerous. Her maid vehemently disagrees, believing it would be shameless of him to spend the night. At an impasse, it's up to Shiro to decide. Uh, if you agree to stay the night and just call Saber to let her know uh, what's, uh, what's up so she doesn't worry, Ilya is delighted and, and orders her maid Sela to prepare a room for Shiro. She then orders her other maid, Liz, to bring the best wine and meat and prepare a feast. She proposes that they all eat together. 
her, Shiro, Liz, Sella, and Berserker, so it feels more like a family. Shiro is concerned that Berserker won't fit in the dining room. Ilya agrees and ponders if she should just have him stand outside the window instead. <laughs> that mental image makes Shiro feel bad for Heracles, though, and he suggests that they just set the feast outside and have a big barbecue. As long as they build a fire, it'll be warm enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> it... it they they do actually show like a a mock up image of like Berserker just peering through stoically through the window. And that is image very is funny. very funny. Yes. Um. Uh, my main problem with this scene is they completely skip the interesting part, which is the well, actual feast. Yeah, I was gonna say the actual interesting part would be the barbecue. Uh, like, okay, so there yeah. is a fundamental thing uh, uh, about stories, which is like. Food scenes are either the most boring scenes possible or are some of the most interesting things possible, and that is because they are at a fundamental level about dynamics and interactions between people because the only thing you're doing is eating and talking or not yeah, talking, and like, and, like, that's it. And Fate Stay Night understood that. Fate Stay Night not only understood it, it was fundamental. Like, the amount of scenes in that game that are just people eating and talking is, like... Absurd. It's significant. <laughs> it, it is a game that recognizes that, like, food and meals is a way you show care and love for the people around you, and, like, finds those meals... Like, it is not an accident that uh, the Mateau family's dining room is a stew and almost never eaten in. Yeah. Like, that, that is not an accident of that game. It, it is a game that recognizes meals as... A act of love and an act of care and a thing that people share together and have an opportunity to interact and like that that is important for that game and to just skip over it here when we finally have an opportunity for like seeing that dynamic in a game that should be about showing those dynamics is so frustrating yeah because like the maids i don't really give a shit about whatever i don't give a shit about them but i want to I want yeah. to give a shit about them. Let me yeah, see I them. Do. Let me see that scene. Let me see them snipe at Shiro the whole meal. Let me differentiate yeah, but, between the two of them. Yeah, and especially like I want to see a I want to see Berserker in like just a normal like family communal setting. Like yes! I want to see what that looks like. How does Ilya inter- how do Ilya and Shiro interact with Berserker when they're all three of them are sitting down to just eat a meal? Ilya <laughs> gets to be alive. As some sort of guard, yeah. Ilya gets to be alive here. Hercules gets to be alive here. What does that look like? What does their ideal life look like? They're living in their fantasy. What does that mean? Let me see them. Let me see that fantasy work. And they completely skip past it to what? Give, uh, give one of the, give like Sela a scene where she's mean to Shiro because she thinks it's inappropriate for him to be like, staying in the same castle like they're siblings <laughs> they're a brother and sister yeah what the fuck it's not like Ilya even suggested he stay in the same room as her she's it's just like just hey. in the same building yeah I, it is just like just another example of like this game almost doing the thing that is interesting, a thing that it already did that was interesting in the first game, and then backing off. Yeah, it's... It was so disappointing, because, like, 
I was getting so excited, like, oh man, this meal scene is gonna be is gonna be great. And then the, Nasu just doesn't even try. <laughs> that could be this whole game. Uh, I'm so upset. Um, but yeah, so a, as I referenced, uh, after the barbecue, Shiro learns how Sela has decided to exact her revenge. Uh, she leads him to the storeroom, um, which she has done nothing more to prepare for than set up a sleeping bag and a single sad lamp. This is, of course, uh, too cold to use for any significant length of time, so Shiro demands she take him to an actual bedroom. She refuses, though, and warns him that if he should wander the castle, there is a risk he'll trip the anti-theft trap she's set recently. Uh, at which point, like, you're, you're given a, a few options of, of what Shiro should do in the meantime. Uh, I chose to go to the ruins, not knowing what, what I'd get. <laughs> Uh, yep. So at the ruins, we again make the the ti- the we again meet the Tiger Dojo character, and she challenges Shiro to a quiz, which basically consists of picking whichever question insults Taiga the most. I thought that was kind of funny. I I, I do yeah. think puncturing Taiga's ego is kind of funny. That that is it is a good bit. Um, beating the quiz unlocks the ability to go to the bathhouse at night. Uh, and I suddenly realize how they decide to cordon off the sex scene, and I'm suddenly very worried. Hey, so you've played ahead. Yeah. How worried do I need to be? So, I have not... So, from what I have played, it seems that... Uh, the sex scenes are not part of, like the normal uh side quest scenes however there are certain scenes where if you play them it will unlock an an accompanying sex scene um which may just be how it works because we're playing like the fan patch version that includes both versions and like the the in-game version is defaulted to the uh the non-arrow gay um but so far that seems to be how it's working okay um and i know this uh because um one of the ones i unlocked was rider uh i don't know if that's picked up on the mic but i was sighing heavily that whole time Oh, uh, okay. No, it, it did not pick up. You just went silent for a while, and I was like... Oh, yeah. No, I was sighing heavily that, that whole time right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I, have bad, I have bad news. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, after doing that thing... Um, Shiro just heads back to the storehouse and tries to go to sleep, and then the loop just resets. Not so bait. Yep. That, that's the end. Man, this game is so good when it's about Bazette, because it's just like, oh, fuck, right, this is the shit I loved in Fate Stay Night. This is the stuff that rules. Yeah, so good news. Loops 9 through 12, uh, we get two ba- uh, Heaven's Feel fuck yes. scenes. Yeah, or back. Fuck I can't yes. remember which, which they're called, but yeah. 
Oh, God. Uh, that rules. I'm so glad. I'm so, so glad. Yeah. The the downside is that uh, there is... <laughs> right before the the second backlight scene we're going to cover is just an entire day day of me just typing, fuck this shit, I'm not even going to summarize this. <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm going to die. Um, oh, we didn't re- we lost the last episode we should also probably talk about the format moving forward yeah um so i think what we're probably going to do so i haven't quite made it to the end yet of like i'm not sure how close i am to actually beating the game um but what i'm intending to do is I think what what we're intending to do is like uh instead of going scene by scene um we're just gonna like cover it in like larger chunks. Mhm. We're we're looking to be done with the game in what the next two episodes or so. Yeah, ideally like there'll be two more episodes of this. Mhm. Um because honestly, I just want to get done with this uh, and, and like have an opinion on the actual story part of it I care about and then move on to Fate Zero. Because honestly, yeah. I'm really excited to get on to Fate Zero. The, the pace we are hitting this game is not helping the game. It is not helping us. And it is like... The game structure does not lend itself to the close reading we have been doing. Um, and like, it turns out scenes like... Okay, they make a sweet potato again. Uh, not a lot to say there. And so, like, it, it is just not worth spending the time to dig in in that way. Um, so we're going to cover basic... The game is, like, loosely divided into uh, uh, five chunks. And with this, we've hit pretty much the ending of the third one. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I'm kind of dividing them up into, like, where are the Heaven's Feel backlights? Because those are the yeah. Bazette ones. So the next one, we're, we don't have like a firm idea. We'll probably talk about it next time. If you're playing along with us, sorry. But also, I, I don't know how you're managing that. Uh, good job. It's not like we've published a list of our choices or anything. Um, yeah. But uh, the next one we're going to cover, at least up to the next Heaven's Field backlight, or back night, yeah, uh, I, I think for the I think next episode we'll definitely do four and five. Yeah. Okay. Because um, otherwise, there's not going to be enough useful content. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll cover Heaven's yeah. uh, uh, Back Night four and five, and then we will probably finish out the game after that from there. Because that's um, the truly depressing thing is that Rin comes back after Backlight four, and yet there's still not enough that I would want to talk about uh, if, if we didn't include Backlight five. <sighs> That's rough. I was the- so excited for Rin. Like, it's like hell yeah, Rin is back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose all the Rin scenes that I can, and I was immediately punished. It is so fuck, just fucking with punish, get fucked. Um, it is <laughs> so funny how I, I, brutal- I hit the, I hit the Rin button, and and Nasu just dragon punched me. Uh, you you hit standing fierce and whiffed it from out of range, and Nasu yeah. was like, "I'm just gonna do raw DP. Hold that." Yeah. Um. Yeah, it is so funny how both of these games are just dedicated to just 
just owning you brutally on the on the matter of Rin every possible time. It's yeah. oh, it's rough. It's um, really mean. Maybe when we get to one of like the Fate Extras, you'll finally get something. Fate Extra Last Encore has a fucking rad Rin. Yeah, I, I was Last Encore was the one I was specifically thinking of. I, I know you like the Rin there, so that one's that'll. Yeah. There's at least one good one. That Rin kicks ass. <laughs> um, Grand Order's Rin is all right. Oh, you mean Ishtar? Yeah. The the one that just doubles down on Rin loving money. Oh, is that the thing? I've only seen, like, small clips. I, I don't know if you've known this about me. Yeah. I didn't pay much attention to Grand Order's plot. So, I I do like Ishtar. Like, at, like out of the context of Ishtar being a Rin, I mm-hmm. do like Ishtar a lot. But also, Ishtar is just the apotheosis of, like... Flanderized Rin. Yeah, a Flanderized Rin, where Ishtar's main traits are being incredibly vain and uh, loving treasure. We should also probably explain the term Flanderization, I guess, for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, Flanderization is basically uh, uh, the thing that happens to Ned Flanders as The Simpsons goes on, um, where they become reduced down to... uh, their most extreme and uh, uh, basic comedic traits as they are used over and over again for comedy and are heightened again and again uh, because yeah. comedy requiring heightening means that as those traits are revisited, they need to become more and more exaggerated. And so it is this uh, simultaneous exaggeration and uh, a reduction of uh, absurd characteristics, removing them from being uh, a realistic character as person and turns them into comedic prop. Yeah. Yeah, and as much as I like Ishtar, um, it's also impossible to divorce Ishtar from what, like, the the What wider, the franchise has done to Rin. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah, from what the franchise has deliberately done to Rin. And not, not just, like, the fans, mm-hmm. but the people who get to control the reins as well. Yeah. Um, like this, the, like this even happens to Ilya as well in, in a, to a grosser extent, um, with Prisma Ilya. I'm so glad we aren't covering Prisma Ilya. I don't, I don't know if I ever talk about, or if I talk about it that much. I'm so glad we're just like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's something that happens uh, like to, to a few characters mm-hmm. in fate um but yeah so we're we we won't be covering uh like every non backlight scene from now on um where i think we're largely gonna before we start recording the podcast sierra and i are gonna like commiserate and say like which which side stories do we want to devote some time to mm-hmm. uh so that way we're not just being overwhelmingly negative the whole time yeah uh, because even if it deserves it we don't really like doing that no it's a bummer <laughs> yeah uh so we we prefer to talk about the things about holler ataraxia that we do enjoy I, um I, okay so i mean here here's my thing 
I love dog shit. I love things that are fucking terrible. I love 3 out of 10 so much. This game isn't a 3 out of 10. This game is a 6 out of 10 so far. It is so exceedingly yeah. mid that I am just, like, indifferent to it, and that is its worst sin so far. If this game was dog shit, that would be way more interesting to me. It is just yeah. bad and boring ways so far and almost interesting in other ways, but never willing to broach that. Yeah. Um, we're going to get a kick-ass fight scene. Hell yeah. Next time. And actually, multiple kick-ass fight scenes. Cool. So, I'm glad. Uh, yeah. Um, th- there, there are a few scenes I am very much looking forward to that, that aren't even the backlight scenes. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, that'll be it for this episode of the podcast. Um, as always, uh, you can find me at Stilts the GM. You can find me at Rhetoric Acrobat. And uh, I still do not have a sign-off for this. That's okay. It hasn't earned one yet. It's got to earn it. (laughs) Maybe I'll figure one out by the final episode. Absolutely not. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.